This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hung Chao is the moment. She is a legend in the making. She starred in and really like three huge roles just in 2022 alone and I'll get to that. But she is the name on everybody's lips. Everybody's talking about her performance and Darren Aronofsky's The Whale and everybody's acknowledging how great of an actress she is. Now, her breakthrough role was in the 2017 film Downsizing. And for her performance, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. And she was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Supporting Role. She didn't go on to get nominated for an Oscar, which was a travesty. But she was acknowledged by the Golden Globes and by her peers. And she's also won several other awards her performances. Now, before downsizing, she appeared on the television series Trimming, and she also had a small part, small but memorable part, in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice. Now, following downsizing, she appeared in several television shows. To start with, she had a starring role in Amazon's anthology series Homecoming. And in 2019, she had a supporting role on HBO, HBO Max series, Watchmen. Chow also had leading roles in American Woman and Driveways. And for Driveways, she was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Best Female Lead. This year, she starred in three huge films, supporting roles. One is Showing Up. The other is Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, as I mentioned earlier. And the other one is The Menu, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, The Menu is really a trippy AF film. Uh, it's, it's a film about uh, class and wealth and food. And Hong Chao's character is really interesting. I hope you get a chance to see the film because I really liked it. It's one of my favorites of this year. And I don't want to take anything else away from this conversation. I just want to get right into it and let you hear what Hong Chao has to say about her role in the menu and her upcoming projects. So with that said, let's get into it. How you doing this morning, Hong? I'm doing great. I just want to say you have such a cool name, Valerie Complex. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, man, you really have the range. I, I, I gotta say, like, you've done some. You have a wide trajectory of roles that you've been a part of, from downsizing to The Watchmen. Uh, the menu and you know with the upcoming whale I, I'm curious to know how would you personally describe the trajectory of your career 
from when you started up until now? Well, um, it's definitely not by design. Mm -hmm. uh, I It took a while for me to get my acting career off the ground. I think people first heard about me through downsizing and that took 10 years to get to downsizing. My first movie was um, at a small part in Inherent Vice, Paul Thomas Anderson's film. And I felt so lucky to get that, but it was like crickets after. <laughs> after right, wow. Oh, you know, wow, here I am. I'm in this PTA movie. Surely something will come of it and nothing did. And and uh, it took a few years and then finally downsizing came around. And so downsizing was only my second movie. And to get to work with... Paul Thomas Anderson and then Alexander Payne um, is just so amazing. And so I felt like, well, you know, it, it's it's worth it uh, to to wait that long to get to work with, with these amazing people. Um, and everything that I've gotten afterwards has just been because people saw me in, in something else that I had just done. Um, so I feel really lucky that it's all happening for the right reasons. It's not I'm not getting cast because I have, you know, millions of followers on social media or that I'm good at wearing clothes, you know, so, so it, it, it feels really nice um, that I'm working with incredible people on really incredible uh, material. Like right now I'm working, uh, I'm shooting in New Orleans with Yorgos Lanthimos and and he told me that he had just seen showing up, which was Kelly Reichardt's film. So I just feel like everything's just falling into place and it's nice. It's really, really nice. And, you know, one thing I love about you is your name and that you kept your name. I know that there's a history of sometimes, um, you know, actors of different cultures changing their name to be more relatable in the industry and everything like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's important as well. But the fact that, you know, Hong Chow is your name and people need to learn it and pronounce it correctly. And, and, and when they talk to you, you know, you get to hear your, your given name set back to you. How does that, how does that feel just to be able to exist as an actress and not have to make all of these changes? I love my name. I've always loved my name. I never thought about changing it. Um, even as a child, I remember in elementary school, I my I grew up in Louisiana. Um, mm -hmm. my, my best friend in elementary school was trying to be helpful uh, because she noticed that uh, other people were struggling with my name or making fun of my name. And uh, she decided, oh, we're, let's come up with another name for you. And so she tried to start calling me Helen at school <laughs> and I never responded to it. It was- <laughs> She was like, nah, girl. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I love my name. I, I think it's a strong sounding name and I don't get upset or flustered if other people butcher it or, or have a problem with it it's uh, it's amusing for me um yeah it doesn't you know I think some people are are sensitive in in other ways but for me that has never been um 
something I've been sensitive about. If you mispronounce my name, you know, that's on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> have you been, have you been asked to make changes that you are uncomfortable with um, in the past? I will hope that's not happening now because you are that girl. You are the it girl right now. So I'm wondering, you know, in your career coming up, have you been asked to sort of make changes and you've been like, nah, I'm good. Um, no, I, I, I actually have not been asked to make any changes physically or, um, or I guess culturally. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's because of the people that I've worked with or, or just found myself, um, falling in line with, but no, mm-hmm. I that experience, thankfully. Good. That's great to, to hear. So, Talk onto the menu. Uh, when you got this crazy ass script, <laughs> what, 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 what was the con- what would you say was the connection you made to your character Elsa that made you be like, you know what, this is something I I want to be a part of. It's it's a great way to tell a story about, I guess, modern egalitarianism or whatever. But you know, Elsa is you know, on the side of the sort of have nots, so to speak. And that gets executed in really wacky, crazy ways. So I'm curious to know, you know, the connection you made when you read that script. Yeah, I was um, I was in Portland, Oregon, shooting Showing Up with Kelly Reichardt um, mm-hmm. when I got the script for the menu. And it was so wildly different from what I was working on at that moment. Mm-hmm. So, so in showing up, I play an artist and she's just really free spirited and, you know, she's an artist right? <laughs> in, in Portland. Um, so I, I think, I think you can uh, sort of picture, picture that. Um, and the menu came along and I, I read it and it put me in a completely different headspace because it, it's so wild, just as you said, it's a crazy ass script. Um, it, <laughs> there's so much going on. There's so many different elements of um, satire and, and also horror, but there's also very poignant uh, moments in the script. And I, I think it, the, the poignant moments happen when um, it points out um, inequalities and um, inherently unfair or uh mm, just disrespectful ideas that we have about about people and, and the way the world is um and so mark and i talked quite a bit um after i read the script about how we could show glimpses uh of who Elsa is outside of the restaurant um, or give at least the, the audience some sort of clue or, or pique their interest as to who she is as a person because she doesn't really have any moments in the in the script as it's written where she monologues about who she is and why she's there, how she came to be there. So um, in my own mind, I came up with this whole backstory for her and how she came to work with Chef Slowick, how they might have joined up and and what she found attractive about working for him and why she gravitated towards somebody like him. Mm -hmm. 
I and because I was shooting in Portland in this in the script in the script it was initially set in the Pacific Northwest and so I was inspired by a lot of the funky people that I was seeing in Portland and <laughs> right you know I wanted to bring a little bit of that in there and and that was very different from what Mark and the writers were envisioning for Elsa in terms of her look they wanted her mm. to be plain and almost blend into the background and not have um not give away anything basically um and you know I did a lot of uh pushing for for more and and we had a lot of back and forth about that and thankfully Amy Westcott who is our costume designer is uh who is also married to Mark Mylod we uh she happily conspired with me to go against what Mark <laughs> originally wanted you know um so I I think it it uh it was a combination of of, of having a, a certain appearance and then getting to be on the set and, and see what that environment was like and how it would feed the character. Uh, all of those things had to, to wait and happen. Um, I, I didn't know exactly how I would play Elsa when I was reading the script. Um, and I find mm. that that happens with pretty much every project that I do. I read the script and on a, on a, I guess a, an abstract level I I am attracted to it and I right. think it tickles me in some way but I don't know exactly how the character speaks or um, what they're going to be until I actually get all of the different elements together and I get to be on the set and I get to be opposite an actor because they also uh, inspire me you know right. I, to see what Ray Fiennes was doing with Chef Slowick um, mm -hmm. You know, I knew that he was going to play Chef Slowick when I read the script, so I was definitely picturing Rafe when I was reading it. But it's another thing to actually be on set and to feed off of his energy, because I think Elsa is somebody who um, wants to emulate uh, some someone like him. Mm -hmm in different ways and so I got to watch Rafe do some scenes that especially that that first opening monologue where he greets the the diners um I, I pulled a lot of, of uh, uh inspiration from that yeah with the clap get everybody's attention <laughs> and everything like that um I what what when reading the script and of course being on set and being a part of it uh, the messaging is, is quite clear. And what I what I think I found most fascinating is the message that, you know, fast food workers and sex workers are seen as the lowest type of worker on the societal totem pole, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but there are certain, you know, survival skills and other skills that these people in our society have um, that makes them just as worthy as 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 any other working person, you know, specifically speaking to sex workers who are who are consensually involved in the in the profession. Um, what did you think about the strong messaging of you know, rich versus poor or haves and have nots and 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 all of that that you had to sort of uh, be a part of. 
I think I'm really drawn to those, um, to scripts with those types of themes. Um, mm -hmm. Makes perfect know. sense when I think about the films you've been in. Yeah, I, I, you know, since you're specifically bringing up um, sex worker, I, my, my first movie, Inherent Vice, I was a sex worker in, in mm -hmm. that, you know, um, and and in downsizing, I was, you know, uh, played a, a domestic laborer, somebody who, you know, cleans houses. Mm. I, I think I'm just, I don't know if the pro, if, <laughs> I don't know if they come to me or I come to it, but it, I, I think how I grew up and what I saw growing up definitely informs uh, my empathy for the characters that I play. Um, and I feel like I don't really need to do research in, in terms of uh, understanding and sympathizing with right. the have-nots, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I sign on to a project that deals with themes like that only if I think that it's doing it in a smart way. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think, I think a lot of people uh, try to do it, but it, because it's such a complicated subject matter, um, it requires so much uh, thought during the writing process. Mm -hmm. And then once it's actually being filmed, that's when uh, others, uh, other details have to be filled in by the collaborators, whether it's the um, the actors uh, or costume, you know, because a lot of times it maybe it's not obvious, but, you know, I think, I think you have to push back with, with costume or the way your mm -hmm. looks and, um, and, but you also have to be able to explain why. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. So there, there has to be a certain amount of intelligence that you bring to a character. If you're playing somebody who um, is part of the have-nots, you know, um, some people, I, I think, maybe romanticize it or do it for right. reasons. And I think for me, I, what I bring to it isn't like research that I've collected, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a life mm -hmm. of... of, of having been one of those people, having, mm -hmm. done, having done low paid jobs and, and service jobs, um, and then having parents who have done that type of work uh, and really growing up amongst people who only do that type of work or, or have a certain education level. So for me, it's, it's, not, it's not about just uh, representing them per se, but, uh, It's about really just uh, showing a, a full person and mm -hmm. and whatever that entails, the all of the all of the positives, but also all of the negatives. Right, right, right. All of the gray areas in between. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. It definitely answers. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. it. Definitely answers my question. And when you talk about all the gray areas and all the in betweens, it's like your character Elsa to sort of exist right down the middle and it's like you know I can identify with the cause but there's a bit of zealotry there and I think that that's 
just sort of a part of life. Most of life is very gray. And especially when we get into these, the ideas of, of what it means to be wealthy or what it means to come from nothing, you know, those lines could become particularly blurred. But um, I guess my next question is, what was it like to work with? I mean, it was an all-star cast. I mean, everybody was on point. Like when I saw Judith Light, I started screaming because she is that girl. <laughs> and I, and I, I was just like, wow. And I just, you know, John Leguizamo and Ian Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holton, like all of these dope people um, whose films one way or another I've been a fan of. What was it like to just sort of be amongst, you know, a group of your peers who are talented and good at what they do? It's amazing to think, and well, thank you for saying that they're my peers because I, you know, I look up to them and I I admire them. So I feel very lucky to be considered um, in the same, you know, uh, group as them. And just like you, I was a huge fan of Judith Light growing up. So I, you know, definitely squealed uh, once I found out. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And she's just as lovely as you would hope she would be. Um, she's just really warm and um, and really interested in, in talking to you and and. Mm -hmm about you you know I showed her videos of my baby and you know we like would text she the very first thing she said was like give me your number and and you know that's just like really nice when somebody just wants to genuinely um know you mm -hmm. and John Leguizamo I was a fan of his before but wow after working with him I'm even more blown away by his talent he's such a force um and an amazing improviser. And I just, I, I hope I get to work with him again. He's just so, he's so versatile and just amazing. And I don't think we have really seen what he can do. Mm -hmm. as absurd as that, as that may sound, he's, he's, I, I really hope that, you know, he gets to have something really blow up for him. Um, mm -hmm get to to show everything that he has because he's he's just amazing to me and you know this has been a really dope year for Asian talent like we look at you know I look at like everything everywhere all at once um the work that you've done you know all year and it's especially like not just like Asian folks but like Asian women specifically like 2022 is the time is the time of reckoning and we are really seeing we are really seeing asian women and their talents put on full display up close and personal not servicing you know it's no shade or whatever but you know not in serve not in total service to a white character or you know just being a part of the furniture in the background like really putting on a performance and I'm just wondering, I wouldn't even say it's a renaissance because that would mean that there's something sort of new about it. It's like, you you know, Asian women as actresses have always been around. But this year, the acknowledgement is coming, especially your work in the menu and um, showing up and and the whale, which, you know, the streets are talking and, you know, people are like, <laughs> Hong Chao for, you know, best supporting actress. The streets are saying it. And so... What does it feel like to see not only just, you know, of course, being in, among your peers, but seeing other women who 
who look like, not look like, but sort of represent the culture. It makes me tremendously happy to see um, other Asian, Asian Americans, uh, Asian women in particular succeeding. Um, you know, it, it's, from your vantage point, it's a little bit easier for you to to hear what's going on in the streets. I'm just <laughs> blinders on and I'm just focused on on work. And so I don't really get to connect the dots in the way that you do in in your field. So for me, I've just been really grateful at how the work has been evolving for me. Like I said, it took a while for my acting career to take off. It took 10 years before downsizing came around. Um, but Every job that I've had since then has been, you know, offered to me because the writer, creator, director saw me in something prior. And it's it's really nice that the work is is happening um, in that way. It's not because I have millions of followers or, you know, anything like that. And it's because you're talented AF. <laughs> it's it's just whatever they're seeing it, it's they're responding to it and um, I'm just grateful to be working with incredible filmmakers because I love cinema I love film and I love the weird um, you know I guess for lack of a better term art house films um, I, I love that when I was growing up I did not see you know Asian Americans per se doing uh, art house films that I, I would love to watch movies from from Asia, you know, you mm -hmm. a lot of that growing up. Um, and and I just I didn't know what was in store for me. I, I would have been happy possibly just doing, a, you know, commercials or, or a silly you know, mm -hmm. TV show with with not a, a very profound storyline. But I've just been really lucky that the people who I want to work with um, want to work with me and um you know, I, I, I just want to keep doing the work. <laughs> and, you know, when you talk about like growing up and, and seeing different types of, of films, um, do you recommend any films from Vietnam or Thailand that you might dig that I can take a look at? Oh, I I honestly have not kept up with um, Southeast Asian cinema. Um, it's been really difficult because a lot of it doesn't travel over here mm -hmm. um what I did really enjoy uh before the pandemic hit was I I got invited to join the academy and um, Mark Johnson who's one of the who was a producer on downsizing who's also um one of the board of governors uh, of the academy suggested that I participate um in the international film um selection and for that you have to bring your card and scan it before you go into the movie to prove that you saw the movie and you have to see a certain amount of movies. And mm. I think that's a wonderful way of, uh, of, of doing things in terms of making sure that people are actually watching the films, you know? Um, and I got to see a bunch of films that I would have never heard of or, or gotten access to um, because you know, marketing is such a big part of how right. movies uh, get communicated to people. And, and I, I saw so many beautiful films from filmmakers that I'd never heard of. And it just uh, made me want to work, um, in you know, with international directors mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, more and I don't know how to do that. In, in some ways, I wish I were more famous so that I could do that. <laughs> Um, I just feel like, oh, I'm just this little, little actor. Right. <laughs> U.S. How am I going to go work with Pedro Almodovar? <laughs> you definitely are. There's nothing little about your career and about your talent. You are fantastic. You are one of my favorites out there right now. You are really all over the map and we're rooting for you in the streets. So just, uh, just know that there are people who are watching who appreciate what you're doing right now. So um, thank you so much for, for being on the scene to scene podcast with me. It was really lovely chatting with you folks go out and see the menu. It's a great little wacky movie that I think you're definitely going to relate to. So thank you so much. Thank you, Valerie. Take care. Valerie complex with the cool name. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.